Hi, good afternoon, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host, Mary Fran Johnson, CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media. Twice a month, we produce CIO Leadership Live with the generous support of my friends at CIO.com and the CIO Executive Council. We're streaming live to you right now on LinkedIn and on YouTube on our very own CIO channel there. We welcome all of our viewers today who are listening in to my conversation to pop up with questions of your own. We have an editor who's watching the feed on both LinkedIn and YouTube, and we'll be happy to pass along your questions to today's guest, which I'm very happy to um, introduce and welcome to our show, Cisco Sanchez. He is the Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Qualcomm. Founded in 1985 and headquartered in San Diego, where it is the largest employer in the city, Qualcomm is a global semiconductor and telecom company that designs and markets wireless communication products and services. With 45,000 employees around the world and revenue last year topping $44 billion, this tech giant is one of the world leaders in wireless technology innovations. It's also a driving force behind the development and launch and expansion of 5G, the fifth generation mobile network. Cisco took on the CIO role at Qualcomm in November of 2021 after a 25 year career in various technology leadership roles at FedEx. Most recently, he served as senior vice president of IT systems and CIO at FedEx Ground and before that, he was Managing Director for FedEx Services in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. Cisco got his start at IT, um, got his start in IT at FedEx as a technical architect for FedEx Services. And he still talks about himself as a developer architect by nature, which he tells me means that he sees opportunity everywhere. So, Cisco, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Mary Fran. It's honored to be here with you. Well, that's thank you so much. Let's start with that. Let's let's pivot off that opportunity hook there. The sure. what was the opportunity at Qualcomm that drew you away from what was obviously a thriving career at FedEx to become only the third CIO in Qualcomm's 38-year history? It's a really great question. And so, you know, for my friends at FedEx, still love the company. It's a great team. Um, the leadership over there is fabulous. And and so it was never running away from anything. Yeah. It was more running towards opportunity on, on mm -hmm. what is Qualcomm trying to reinvent and create. Um, and so part of it was the new leadership structure coming into fold. There was a new CEO, a new CFO, a new CHRO, a new CMO kind of rolling into their to the role, um, a new general counsel, and they're looking for a new CIO. Um, yeah. And some of them have been there for a long time, but they are new in the roles. And so that was exciting of being able to pivot into an organization and start to make a change uh, and redevelop what Qualcomm should be coming. Yes. And so as, as you probably know, as you, as you stated, Qualcomm uh, is the inventor of the 5G technology. So we think of that as the phone, you know, the mobile handset. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is, is when you pivot off of the, the mobile phone and saying, what else can you create with connectivity there's, you know, sky's the limit. And so if we want to be the company that is, that creates the, the uh, connected edge, the intelligent connected mm -hmm. edge, there's cars and IOT and uh, smart mm -hmm. tags and, and there's so much more. And so that was the draw of, it's, it's not just a handset company, but right. more of a uh, intelligent connected edge company. And so that was the draw. Um, and then of course, you can't beat the weather in San Diego. So oh, well. uh, that was, uh, sorry. Sorry for those on the on the East Coast right now. Well, yeah, but you probably do enough traveling since Qualcomm is so global. I don't yes. know how much time you get to enjoy the great weather in San Diego. Well, uh, that that is true. <laughs> now, um, I, I remember talking to a couple of your CIO comrades over the years. And when I would ask them, what is the single biggest change coming to technology that really will change everything? And like the CIO of the Jet Propulsion Labs um, said immediately 5G, you know, and the, yeah. the kind of changes that are coming with 5G 
um, are going to be, uh, they're a little bit hard to imagine, although I imagine at Qualcomm, you spend a good amount of your time thinking about that. So talk about that that piece of it, the 5G expansion. I know just recently the company announced getting into the whole auto space, for instance. Yes, yeah, it's a great question. So when, when we look at 5G and what it can en enable, mm -hmm. and so if we go back in time just a little bit and, and saying, do, do you remember those flip phones we used to have? Um, and you could make a good call um, and you had certain amount of text messages that could be done. And primarily it was because of the technology. Technology can only limit the amount of, of interaction and traffic that can go through the network. Mm -hmm. And it opened up a little bit more. You had a smartphone that first got created. I mean, you can do more texting and maybe some video content, but it's really very limited, maybe some games. Um, and then the technology advanced a little bit further and you, now we have 4G now into 5G where you can do um, having the ability to talk uh, via video or play games or interact with your favorite social media uh, like CIO or LinkedIn or YouTube mm -hmm. um, and have the ability to do that interaction. And then 5G is now here. And, and what 5G gives us is uh, better bandwidth, uh, more opportunity, so you can actually start to leverage technology really on the edge. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where uh, you get to, to, to more uh, useful use cases versus just you know the, uh, having video. What else can you do by just uh, by moving data around? Yeah. And so if you take that analogy of, of 5G being able to, to leverage the data and you apply it to auto or IoT, you can pick one of the two because we're, we're in both. Right. Um, in the auto space, we know that a car is really now becoming more of a computer on wheels. The computer on wheels needs to have send data, receive data, almost real time to capture content and information so we can make different choices, update maps, identify what the streets look like, um, understand the parameters of the car, being able to uh, make it the, have the ability for self-driving in the future. So mm -hmm. it needs real uh, back and forth information. Some that will be stored inside the vehicle, but some that need to go off box and uh, off car and be able to, yeah. to translate and bring it back. Uh, so th I think that's where the, the technology starts to get interesting. And yeah. uh, 5G now has enabled that. And, and then the, the advancement of 5G into the next round of future 6G will give us more and more content. But mm -hmm. think of it as bandwidth going back and forth as, as that, that pipe uh, continues to get bigger. Yes. Uh, and so I, I think that is interesting. And if you apply that also to IoT, um, mm -hmm. where everything is connected and you can look around your house, you have smart light bulbs that are IoT-ish or um, plugs that are IoT-ish or mm -hmm. your wash and dryer are IoT-ish. And so it doesn't have to be a small little tag. It can be lots of things that are IoT connected. Yeah. And they also need the, the ability for bandwidth to go back and forth. Mm -hmm. Well, Qualcomm, I think probably when you bring up the name of the company to a lot of people in the tech industry, it immediately <laughs> translates into hardware, you know, like semiconductors yeah. and, yeah. and chips yeah. and that sort of thing yeah. is the that expansion into areas where it needs to be uh, as much thought of as a software company as a hardware company. Absolutely. Was that what attracted you <laughs> also? Just, and what strong. did you bring to that? party from your work at FedEx? Yes. Uh, so uh, as you said in the intro, I'm really an uh, architect developer by nature. Uh, mm -hmm. I see opportunity. Um, and so the part of the draw is I, I'm, I'm a developer by nature. Sincerely, I'm, I, I, I love to see things get created. It, it yeah. makes me happy. And so mm -hmm. watching something get born and be a, come alive and take on a new nature is super interesting. And so uh, if you look at Qualcomm, we're traditionally more of a uh, hardware company. Now we're working up the stack to become hardware and a software uh, company that enables other technologies or other tool sets. And right. so that's the, that's been a lot of the draw. And uh, you know, taking my experience from FedEx, um, we built a lot of things, uh, mm -hmm. primarily because uh, it wasn't available. Of course, we used uh, third-party applications, SaaS providers, but a, a lot of it is how do you create a hub. Right. They don't, people don't do that. And so you you build your own technology, knowing that it has to be reliable uh, 24 by 7 because it's always running. Um, mm -hmm. It has to have um, changing parts and, and it's a foundational piece because it's probably going to be there for 20 years. So architecture really matters. Can't wow. just 
code and load. You have to think about what you want to build for the long term. And the same thing applies here. If we're going to be building capabilities that go into vehicles and or um, IoT devices, architecture matters and how you build matters. And so mm -hmm. part of the draw from uh, into Qualcomm was uh, being identified of how we can make an impact into that space. And yes. how can we uh, take some of the software tool sets that we've been building um, at the, the former company and apply them to to Qualcomm and, okay. and allow for new things to be kind of to come alive. All right. Well, and you've been that you were a CIO at FedEx Ground. And so right. you're familiar with all the different parameters of the CIO job, you know, all of the table stakes that you have to deliver on. What is talk about kind of your marching orders coming in? What this the you know the 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 breath of fresh air you were going to bring from both FedEx experience and what needed to change in the tech organization itself, and it kind of give us an idea of what your role includes now. That's a great question. So, um, as you stated, when I was at uh, FedEx Ground, I was the CIO over there. So similar um, scale of applications, people, um, and when coming over here, my marching orders were, how do we uh, look at the problem differently? And um, I was joking with a customer, with a, my team saying, uh, when we look at the number of customers we interact with, it's a smaller number. Yes. And if we go into IoT, and, and primarily it was the handset. So when you look mm -hmm. at the handset, there's only so many people that make uh, the phones. And so you can, you can do right. the numbers. It's pretty small. Yeah. But when you go into auto or IOT, the okay. scale is different. And so the interaction has to be different. Mm -hmm. And so what we did before doesn't scale to where we have to be in the future. And so a, a lot of it is how do we do case deflection? How do we identify um, the, the abilities for us to, to not have to white glove all activity, but to build, right. you know, more common foundational services that allow for, um, every business unit to take advantage of it, not just one. And right. so we think of like uh, creating capabilities for marketing and sales, uh, being able to create monetization uh, modules to allow them to plug in, allowing for cloud compute to be done more efficiently. And, and mm -hmm. we pick all three of them so we can leverage all of them. Uh, we identify uh, how do you uh, make the developers uh, more productive? And so thinking about pipelines and we think about repositories and how do you mm -hmm. have common APIs? And so it's, it's a lot of them, you know, the manifesto, the IT manifesto that we've been, that we've been creating is to, to drive out, how do you get efficiencies? How do you get scale? Um, and then how do you accelerate and create almost um, accelerators for all different groups so they can actually go faster into their, to the development. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of it is uh, we are an invention company R&D that creates cool capabilities and we have to be first and the only way to be first is by creating enablers that allow the developers and the teams to be mm -hmm. super super efficient and go at scale and speed you also have to have base layers to allow them to kind of to run at at, 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 at the right pace and so that, that was the mindset coming in yeah the marching orders was you know take a lot of that thought process um, ensure that we we do base business because if you if you don't do base business you can't innovate, and so it's just right. run the run the business, secure the business. So think of cyber. Um, I have sure. the cyber team within my organization, um, and that's a fun one. That's a probably a whole other topic. Uh, <laughs> uh, cyber, and then um, all of the development for uh, sales, marketing, HR, finance, legal. Um, how to optimize our, our pre-silicon environment, um, and then how do we support the BUs like auto and IoT yeah. in a different fashion that we haven't done in the past. Well, and so, that does that well, does sound similar and familiar to what a lot of CIOs at large organizations have to deal with. Um, on the <laughs> you've been there now almost a year and a half. Did you yeah. do any kind of reorging or restructuring? Did you create <laughs> new groups that hadn't existed before? I just I, I may be alone in being fascinated about the internal structure of IT organizations, but I yeah. kind of can't help myself. <laughs> yeah. So when I first came in, mm -hmm. um, my goal uh, was never to jerk the will. And I know that kind of makes it's a different analogy, but mm -hmm. I didn't want to come in and saying um, the my predecessor didn't she did it wrong and I got to do this. 
And so my goal oh. was for the first couple of months, uh, learn, uh, yeah. don't judge, uh, absorb, uh, understand the cultures, understand the, the decisions that were made and not made. And they're all for relative reasons. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in the circumstance. I don't know what happened, but I can learn a lot. And so for the first two months, it was a lot of learning, just absorb, mm-hmm. uh, understand, um, identify what the strategies are and how do we get in there. Um, the last months have been working with the team on creating a framework to say, and what do we want to do different, right? right? So a lot of it has been focused on what is current state? And if we are at, a, as you just mentioned, the $44 billion company, and we want to, we want to grow to double that uh, as, a, as a beachhead, uh, what does it take to do? So we looked at the current state, this organization, um, how does the, uh, the the tech model look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does the organizational model look like? What are the enablement activities? And we created a model. And, and it's not me that's creating it. It's the team that's helping to create it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then looked at the future state. So what does the future state look like? And identifying where do we want to become? And so, but you need a, a marker of where am I starting from? <laughs> Otherwise, you don't know how you, how you get there. And then we've been focusing in on, okay, if we want to, if current state looks like this, future state looks like that. Here is the gap that we have to go do. And mm-hmm. uh, we've been been focusing in on the gap saying, here's how we're going to get there. Real methodical, uh, identifying, here's the strategy of, here's what the organization, future organization should look, look like. Here's the capabilities that we want to create. Here's the development model that's required. And we mm-hmm. broke it into three main phases, a business track, a technical track, and an enablement track. And I say all this because this is kind of the where we're we're heading, and, right. and it's super super exciting because it's it's changed, it's different, and yeah. and which does require the organization to kind of now to uh, be aligned. But it it can't be just aligned to IT. It also has to mirror what the business is doing. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to mirror how auto is being structured and IoT is being structured. So we're better IT business partners because mm-hmm. I think the chief information role is really the chief integration role. Yes. Uh, and so it's the, it is really. I know we we see CIO as a uh, information, but for me, it's it's always been a bit about in, uh, integration because we have to figure out how to integrate a lot of these capabilities. And so I, um, the the organization uh, was put in place really really well. We're just augmenting it to say how do we support the auto I, IoT, and then what are the key foundational services that we have to create for the future that everybody can leverage. Um, well. And- you had mentioned too that when you first joined in late 2021, uh, Qualcomm was a 33 billion dollar company, and here we are, um, high speed, <laughs> a year, later. A year and a yeah. half later, and it's 44 <laughs> yeah. billion. So yeah. that it's unusual to see that kind of its own its hyper growth, right? And it's unusual it's to exciting. see that in a great big old establishment company. I say old, like 38 is old. I guess yeah. in the tech tech industry, it is. Um, I couldn't help but think that you also have a lot of uh, legacy or um, what do the Brits call it? Heritage technologies to deal with. (laughs) Um, Is tech modernization a big part of what you're doing or do you get to essentially pull off and and play and build in other areas that don't require that great big rationalization? So we are a tech company by nature. And as you said, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and a lot of the tech company we they've been doing a lot of ensuring that there's a good modernization mm-hmm. because you have to because you're creating the next amazing uh either 5g or bluetooth or wi-fi chip that enables uh, uh companies to kind of flourish and, yeah. and thrive mm-hmm. so there's a um i did not inherit a ton of legacy which is, is oh. awesome and so That's most cool. cios coming into a 37 year old company almost 38 mm-hmm. um you have legacy to deal with there's not that much there are some there are pieces and parts, so it's, yeah. it's not. Uh, but there are, and it's primarily because of the tech mindset of we are we have to continue to have the latest and greatest technology to allow for our chips to be created, and um, there, so there's spots. And so mm-hmm. a lot of my charter is to ensure that not only are we secure, but we where we have opportunity. We are, of course we're going to deprecate and uh, lean on some new technologies, but mm-hmm. um, it, it it wasn't you know overwhelming, and and mm-hmm. I, uh, I I know that. If you've been longer than in ten years in in the business uh, mm-hmm. in a, uh, with the company, you have legacy. So we do have some. It's just um, my peers, my past peers, have done an amazing job of making sure that they get rid as much as they could. Mm-hmm. 
the um and I know too you we had talked about this when you arrived you didn't have to create any kind of a digital roadmap you were the newest addition to all of the the road warriors that were working that roadmap um it, it, tell us a little bit about that about how that was created and what the technology organizations other roles in it. I mean, obviously there's the running the technology and providing it and that sort of thing, but um, I'll I'll bet there are other things that you're doing as part of that digital roadmap. So the digital roadmap, uh, the, our CMO, his name is Dom Aguirre, amazing mm -hmm. man. Um, him and I have been partnering up on creating that digital roadmap, digital transformation roadmap, yes. at least for the for the customer presence. And so it's, okay. it's the CMO and the CSO, um, Jim Cathy, myself, and and Don McGuire, looking at how do we want to reinvent the interaction with uh, with Qualcomm, and so mm -hmm. when you when you go onto our site and uh, poke around and look at things, we need to drive different capabilities to allow for us not just to be a website but more of an interactive, and so that's actually underway uh, right now. When I first came on, that was one of the first things we started of saying how do we want to reinvent this to make it more developer aware. Uh, to ensure that we drive attention, identify better sales leads, ensure that we market differently. And, mm -hmm. and particularly when you go in from one business uh, space of, of, of a handset and growing into the others, you have to market differently. Uh, you have to drive attention differently. You have to interact differently. And so a, a lot of that has been our, our, our main focus. Uh, of course, working with the teams and identifying mm -hmm. where is the potential. Uh, we've uh, did some great partnerships with some third-party SaaS providers to help us with some tooling, uh, some new capabilities that we're implementing okay. now. And it's all coming in, there's, what we're doing is a very agile approach. Uh, we're, we're, we're taking advantage of uh, something called SAFE, it's scaled agile framework. It's a safe, sure. it's an agile methodology that allows us to deliver in small chunks, but we're delivering value at a faster pace. So you're seeing, mm -hmm increments of two weeks of, of capabilities coming and yeah. and so it's it's really quite interest quite fun and interesting that that uh some of the stuff that's has happened and will be coming a very very shortly okay uh, well one of the things i've always admired about all the different approaches to agile uh not mm -hmm. just as the technologies involved or even the methodologies but also the the bigger cultural impact it has on the company yeah. in the way that technology teams and business teams are now actually everybody together yeah and everybody's yeah. got uh you know a stake in the game um yeah. how what did you bring about any kind of changes in that as you've been doing your work over the last year and a half uh was that something that were the agile teams already mm -hmm. up and and full speed ahead it's combination so uh there's there's uh, just for the larger understanding, uh, sorry to go back to step, but there's two main types of way you develop. There's obviously a waterfall, which traditional, uh, it's been mm -hmm. around for a long time. You you write requirements, you kind of flip them over the wall, and then mm -hmm. a year later, I know I'm dramatizing and exaggerating a bit, a year later, uh, delivery happens, and, then, and it's mostly right. But in a year, the requirements have changed because sure. the business has changed. Yeah. Um, and it's not, I know I'm dramatizing a little bit. The, the second the second methodology is an agile methodology, which um, smaller requirements they're done in little quick sprints and they get back yeah. to the business and new value. Mm -hmm. um, but if you've seen an agile team, you've seen an agile team. They're always done mm -hmm. a little bit different. The interactions a little bit different. Right. And right. so the reason why we we've we've chosen safe and it's just a methodology. Uh, right. It's a framework that helps us hone in on how do you create common across all of the. IT organization. Mm -hmm. And so when you see a safety, that's how it's done across all of the safety. Ah, nice. So, uh, but what we, but as you stated, it's, it's also a change, uh, uh, organizational change that happens because it's interactions different. Uh, when you're in an agile or safe uh, sprint, you're, you're creating requirements with the business, with the interaction, right. and they become the product owner of that deliverable. Um, there's transparency about the capabilities that are being created. There's you see how fast or slow the organ the group is. Mm -hmm. um, you can make changes quickly, but you're, the idea is, hopefully, you deliver every day. Uh, but at, at at a minimum, start to deliver every two weeks of capabilities, mm -hmm. and so you can see these 
and and if they're wrong, you have two weeks of of work that was that was mm-hmm. needs to be adjusted. Right. But you get fast interaction time. But the but what I love more than anything is, as you said, the the business and IT start to form as one unit, and they become where you don't know who is business and who is IT. That is because the ideal, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, that's the greatest greatest mm-hmm. moment ever is when you see the business talking on behalf of IT and vice versa, mm-hmm. and and it, they know what they're what they're saying and how they're saying it, and it's that's it's just. It's it's magical. It's simply, it's magical. I think Agile has given IT and business folks on in all parts of the company a new common language to understand each other. I hear less about you. Remember the days of the biz, kind of business translation roles that you had to yeah. create in IT. Yeah. So there could be somebody that would go over to the marketing department and try to explain in terms everybody could understand <laughs> what was going on. Yes. And now once you have a common language, it's almost it's almost like that has really just shifted the whole conversation to a different level. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's also you get um, happier team members because they get to mm-hmm. see the, the the capabilities get delivered faster, not waiting. Uh, you get to see the business and IT alignment be better. Yeah. So it's this tighter collaboration. Um, you get speed, um, transparency. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it never goes from you know green to red. It, it, you can see the it turns from green to yellow to red because you get yeah. full visibility of everything. Um, and you can make better conscious decisions of uh, mm-hmm. we need to pivot because the business is reacting differently or yes. some a new model has formed. So it allows for us to to adjust very quickly. I, I mm-hmm. um, as you can tell, I'm, I'm kind of a fan of it. Well, I, you have a developer architect mindset. Yeah. <laughs> if you weren't a fan of this, you'd have to have some other alternate methodology and a whole new way <laughs> yeah. approach that you'd be talking about, right? Because you'd yeah. be a little out of step probably with all of the, the best developers and architects out there. Yeah. Um, Qualcomm does not sell directly to CIOs. So CIOs are not your outreach mm. customers, but the company and you especially are very engaged with the technology challenges that all of your fellow CIOs in different industries are going through. Uh, talk about your CIO forum group uh, inside of Qualcomm and what you're hearing from mm-hmm. these different industries about the kind of challenges that your peers are dealing with these days. So the the uh, CIO forum that we've created was mm-hmm. partly because um, every CIO should have CIO friends. Oh, we have same problems. We have oh, same. Couldn't issues. agree more. Yeah. Yeah, we mm-hmm. have same problems. We have same issues. Yep. Sometimes mm-hmm. we just want to vent. Um, uh, but we need friends. Um, we, uh, we, we need them for lots of uh, reasons, either when the cyber incident occurs, how to you mm-hmm. know balance and understand and you know talk to people, um, even if it needs to be private. Um, understanding mm-hmm. scale size, understanding you know uh, different SaaS providers, uh, cloud compute, uh, hyperscalers that are out there, tool sets are coming into, um, and so the the forum was created to to help uh, interaction of. Uh, establishing, you know, friendship, but also how do we solve problems together mm-hmm. and create the next greatest thing? And we think, you know, the Qualcomm, we think there's a lot of cool capabilities that, that are out there that, that are enablers uh, for businesses. And so our CIO forum that we've been creating, um, uh, we've, and we've done a couple of times, is we we pull in people from the transportation network, uh, transportation industry, uh, from from some from shipping, some from uh, fintech, uh, some from uh, true tech companies. Um, and there, so there are a lot of different areas that we're kind of focusing in on. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of it is to share uh, capability ideas. And so if, if you're in the transportation industry, let's say trains for fun, um, it, the trains are becoming more of a, uh, a smart train on wheels. I was going to say they're they're huge yeah. consumers of IoT devices. I think the first interviews yeah. I remember doing about Internet of Things had to do with sensors being placed on railroad tracks and that sort yeah. of yeah. So it's railroad tracks. It's on the cars. It's in their yards. And if mm-hmm. you ever seen a, a train yard, they're they're massive and mm-hmm. and they have to offload quickly. And um, or if if you take 
another industry uh, like technology, um, they're trying to figure out how to have enablement activities around their campuses. And, and so it draws uh, discussions about uh, what could be the possibilities. And, and for me, it's always been about how do we collaborate and align and, and build something mm -hmm. together. It's not, you know, just buy it from Qualcomm. It's how can we partner and build something different that's not been born yet and, and yeah. create a new capability that helps yeah. solve the problem uh, that, that enables their, their business to thrive better. And mm -hmm. so like the, the train one is a good example, but there's lots of others that are similar to that of, mm -hmm. you know, a, a smarter um, copy machine, uh, the way you do interactions for FinTech. And mm -hmm. uh, so there's, I think within the, the technology scope, we're trying to make sure that we identify what could be available, what, what could help drive change um, okay. and what could help change their, their business. And, and, and then we get friends. Uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a whole fun event. It really has mm -hmm. been. Um, I've always, whenever I ask CIOs about the top issues that they're dealing with, and this goes back for probably more years than I want to admit to at this point, um, mm -hmm. they always have talent in the top three. And I just, I, over the years, you've seen all those same stories, the crisis, you know, the war for talent and everything. The language never changes very much around them. But right. when you fast forward to today, what are the talent challenges that you are dealing with? And are any of them new? You know, are, it, it's this, it seems like it's a lot of the same stuff about, well, we need the latest skills and we need developers who do this, that, and the other thing. So what is the talent landscape like for you? And are there new challenges you're trying to solve that you haven't encountered before? Uh, talent is always, will be on the top 10. Uh, that yeah. and probably cyber, but those are you know, always on the top 10. And, mm -hmm. you know, talent is, it always is our most precious resource. It really is. And so the, the talent really has to be of um, how do you ensure that you're building the right talent uh, for the culture values that you want to create? So, mm -hmm. of course, it's talent to create a task that table stakes, um, you know, so they have to be skilled. But it's also the culture. For me, culture matters of how people interact, how they do work. And so we're conscientious of that. Uh, we know that the, the, the uh, talent also we're growing new skill sets that may not exist yet and some capabilities. And so how do we constantly, we wanna retool uh, our team members to allow them not only to, to leverage, you know, the agile as we were talking about earlier, or, but to leverage safe and how to retool them or new tool sets we're creating or new AI models that we have to build out. And, and so it, it's not just looking at the resource, but how do we ensure that we invest in them properly? And so one of the, when we started to build out the strategy, one of the items that we were focusing on is, we call it enablement, but it's looking at our team, current team. Mm -hmm. How do you retool, allow for new capabilities for them, grow them, soft skills and hard skills. But then uh, to when you onboard, how do you grow them, uh, give mm -hmm. them soft skills and hard skills? And uh, what's interesting about this new world that we all live in is we, we live in a hybrid wor world. Yeah. And so the, the ability for us to have access to different talent doesn't always have to be in San Diego. As, yeah. as we talked about, I, my, my team is in San Diego, but they're also in a lot of different areas in, in the US. I have teams in Cork, I have teams in India, I have teams in uh, mm -hmm. Germany, I have teams in APAC. And so it, it gives me a little bit of a wider range of saying, I have to see you next to me by my office so right. I know you're, you're productive. It's, so I, I kind of like the hybrid world where we have talent. Yeah, uh, the ability for talent more uh, in in other areas. So that that's a kind of a, a good tailwind for us. The headwinds are always the headwinds of, um, of you know, cost people. You know, yeah. it's, but it's uh, we're trying to battle with um, understanding that um, we can believe we could, and I love interns because I, I I was an intern a long time ago. Yes, um, yes, identify yes. interns, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. pull them into the organization, grow them efficiently, retool them allow mm -hmm. them to be as, as productive. Uh, we're looking at other creative ways of partnering with um, some of the military that's uh, is, is retiring. And then how do you onboard them, retool them, get them ready? Yes. Uh, we're working with a couple of different universities identifying if uh, individuals weren't able to get a, a four-year degree in, in CIS, how mm -hmm. can you onboard them, retool them, train them, get them ready? Mm -hmm. And so we're looking at other creative ways of not just the traditional of they have to have an MIT degree and they have to be at these schools. It's it's broadening a bit and, and it allows us to make sure that we find the right talent 
and grow yes. them effectively. And, and yes. hopefully they're here for a majority part of their career, mm -hmm. or if not, they're, they're tool and ready for the next company that can hire, that, that needs to hire somebody. Well, I've had so many CIOs. We, I'll ask about, you know, how do you acquire new talent? And usually they say, well, it's actually more important to retain the talent you have. I agree. <laughs> and um, yeah. the fact that you do more leadership and development programs is something that is always very significant with that. And you've got, you said like 2,500 people around the world. So the the yeah. churn must be fairly amazing with that. What, what's interesting, and a, a, a good percent of churn is, is good just, just to kind of yes. keep, uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, when you have too much, it's impactful to the organization. Yeah. So our, our churn is pretty good. It, it's, it, 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 it's about less than 5%, which is pretty good. That um, is pretty good, yeah, because there in, were numbers getting up to 25 and 30% for a while. Yeah, which, which it's generated all those yeah. stories about, yeah. you know, like the, yeah. the the quiet quitting and all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and I think partly it's, um, we're trying to hone in on, you said, it, uh, retain the people, the talent that you have. Mm -hmm. We're trying to retain them and show them the culture, uh, the capabilities and, uh, you know, uh, give them opportunity to continue to grow in their career. And, mm -hmm. and, and hopefully out of that, they'll want to stay. Of course we pay a good salary, but it, it's, it's not always about salary. For me, it's always been three yeah. things. Um, of course, salary is number one. It is what mm -hmm. it is. Uh, number two is um, a lot of them want to be to create the next best thing. So there's this, uh, they want to do something good or create value or create new capabilities. Yes. Uh, and then the third is, and, uh, and and we have that, by the way, second one. Uh, and then the third one, of course, is they want to feel appreciated and thanked. I mean, more than anything. And yes. And so we try to do uh, all three of them. We, mm -hmm. we, we make sure we hone in on the first, on the last two. Give yeah. them something that is game changing, that is driving change, that impacts yeah. the world. And make sure we show, show that we appreciate and thank them. Yeah. Well, having that sense of purpose and appreciation, um, just the the more empathetic leadership that has emerged out of the last few years of the pandemic has, I think, probably been one of the most significant, not really a course change, but maybe just a broadening of horizons for CIOs as people leaders as well. Uh, a couple yeah. of years ago, when you talk to CIOs, they really didn't want to talk about their relationships with the head of HR, because a lot of times HR was just the blockade door that wasn't getting them mm -hmm. the talent they need. More and more now, I just hear CIOs sending, you know, verbal valentines to their HR folks with how well they're helping them with all of these different aspects of talent management. It, and it's, we do. Uh, same mm -hmm. here. Uh, yes. Me and the CHRO, uh, I actually talked to her yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a, a very great uh, relationship and we collaborate well. And even in the programs that we're creating at IT, uh, we partner directly with them to say, how do we create these new learning modules for yeah. soft skill sets. Um, and then how do we uh, grow the team and retool them appropriately as we know that we're going to this new era that we're, we're developing. And, mm -hmm. and so I, uh, you have to have the relationship. I think the CIO and the in CHRO not having a relationship um, could be a bad thing for an organization. So you have mm -hmm. to establish it, it's important. Yes. Yeah. The um, one of the things I have been asking about on a lot of the CIO um, interviews mm -hmm. over the last few years I started calling them innovation ecosystems because it's it's fallen way out of favor to just have like a group that takes care of innovation. But there's generally <laughs> something in place, especially in really thriving tech organizations, where there are ways to encourage and generate more of that. Does that how does that happen at Qualcomm when one of uh, the big pillars of the company is all the R&D and the innovation that is kind of the life's blood of, you know, the, the hyper growth the company's been going through and so forth. So did you, when you came in a year and a half ago, did you bring any additional tweaks to a strategy that generates a lot of innovative thinking and doing? I, I love innovation because I think it, it, but innovation doesn't have to be a, a think tank by itself of of a group that does it. Mm -hmm. I think if if you were relying on that only, uh, you, we'd have problems. And so everybody has to innovate. Uh, and it's small innovation that matters. Like how yeah. do you make a, a procedure a little bit easier to follow? That's innovation. Or how do you change the module, uh, data module to allow it to be better so you can optimize your hardware? 
That's innovation. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a lot of it is making sure that you create the culture and value system to allow people to want to innovate uh, mm -hmm. and know that some innovation doesn't doesn't work. And so we we think of like uh, if we have to fail, fail fast and move mm -hmm. on. And and it's not a there is no punishment here of saying when you if you fail, you're out. We have to give them enough security that we want people to innovate and change the way they think and do to allow us all to be better. And some sometimes we don't do it. It sometimes doesn't work. That's fine. Yeah. But, but systemically, we're also trying to create within um, the framework for how we develop is uh, uh, every 10 weeks in a two week sprint, you have the ability to innovate. And it's, that's what it's dedicated for to either change the process, to, mm -hmm. to reestablish, but it allows them some, almost a little bit of a free time to be able to do that. At, yeah. a, at a organizational wide, every Thursday afternoon is productivity zone. Right? So there is okay. intention of that productivity zone um, every Thursday is mm -hmm. that that the team has the ability to don't schedule meetings um, and uh, have the ability to do work, mm -hmm. innovate, change, think differently. But um, a lot of the time what happens, and I know you know this, is uh, we, we get on that 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 bicycle of work and we're just constantly just pedaling away and pedaling away and pedaling away. Yep. And and sometimes you don't have a time to think about stuff right. strategic. Right. And so yeah. we're trying to give them time back of saying, let's think strategically where we're going to go. Remember our vision is this, and this is what we want to go do. And here's mm -hmm. the margins we want to obtain. And, and how do you think about that in a different lens and make sure you have the opportunity to have time to innovate, to yeah. think differently, create strategy. So we're trying to give them pockets of, of opportunity across the organization, yeah. not just one group that innovates. How do you personally do that? How do you keep your innovation engine revved up? Um, because you have to be essentially the leader of how great it is to innovate. Sometimes I think innovation is really just another word for changing things for the better. And yeah, it's not really invention. It's not a brand new thing that nobody ever thought of. Innovation yeah, is just those gradual changes. So how do you do that? How do you pull out and do strategic, innovative thinking um, on your own? Uh, so I have uh, amazing um, mentors in my life. I mean, mm -hmm. they're amazing. And and I, I know that that's why I'm not by myself, but I get ideas, you know, so even like the CIO Forum, yeah. they're also mentors to me, the, that, that group mm -hmm. that we've created. And some continue, uh, uh, they're always continuing. But I have great people in my life that have supported me. And so they, it's giving us, you know, sound bites and some mm -hmm. things that I'm not aware of, and and uh, we call them blind spots, um, of the blind spots that are around me. Uh, mm -hmm. That and so that gives me an input of content of saying, I didn't know that. that that's interesting. That's yeah. there's a problem to be solved. Um, I, I'm also a very morning person. I, I love mornings. Uh, and yeah. in that morning, it's no it's way. typically um, mm -hmm. me and uh, you know a cup of coffee and. I get the opportunity before activity and birds wake mm -hmm. up to to think about stuff that are is important for the organization. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm as as you know, as at FedEx for so long, I, I was a lifer there. I'm a lifer here, and so I want to drive, not not just dress up the 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 building to make it look nice. I want foundational changes to drive new efficiencies and new capabilities because mm -hmm. I, I I can't just decorate. I I need to create it. To, to New allow for to the next... conquer that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, mm -hmm. but I think part of it is um, I have a good, a great support system with my mentors mm -hmm. at family. My, my wife and kids are a great support system. Mm -hmm. um, I have time in the morning by myself. Um, and then in, in, in pockets where I can break away and go for a run with my dog or mm -hmm. uh, go work, go do some workout, or that also gives me time to n not think of the task, but my brain is constantly thinking about tasks <laughs> that. Yeah. It's helping me solve another problem, and so mm -hmm. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to also find myself windows of where can I to help mm -hmm. make the organization better. Sure. Uh, but well, and you mentioned blind spots, and that immediately made me think of Charlie Feld's book, which was called yeah. "IT Blind Spot." Right. Yeah, and, and he's one of those mentors, by the way. He is one of your mentors. I <laughs> yeah. know. I know. Um, I I think it's pretty hard to have, be associated with FedEx and not have worked with Charlie at some point. Yes. So he sounds special. Uh, yes, yeah, Charlie. Yes. Yeah, well, and I yeah, know absolutely. you, know, Charlie. Yes. I, mm -hmm. uh, he, he's been in my life for a long time. He's a, a wonderful man, a, a great mentor, has seen everything, all problems, 
um, yes. at different scales. Um, and so mm-hmm. he's, yeah, he has been a, a great, you know, insight to my life and uh, not mm-hmm. just just work, but also personal life. So it's, he's been a good, yeah. a good person. Well, and I noticed I, I saw echoes of Charlie too, when you talked about CIOs needing to be chief integration officers. Yeah. He, I remember him talking about that probably in the late nineties, early two thousands. That was one of Charlie's things. And I've always thought it was right on the money, but a lot of what he says, you know, is that way. Yeah. I want, I often at this point in the conversation would ask you about emerging technologies that you're especially interested in watching and that that just may be a little repetitive considering what we've talked about so far with 5G and IoT and all that. So um, let's instead play kind of a game where we'll do a, a sort of a semi-lightning cool. round. And the question is, is this something just a lot of hype, a lot of hype and nonsense, or is it something really happening in the technology world? And I've got half a dozen of these. Uh, the first one we'll start with, uh, because it's so much in the news lately, chat GPT and the idea of artificial intelligence, AI being leveraged to solve new, to solve and create models for things that have never done before. Is it still very much a hype or is it, do you see it really happening? It's happening. Okay. I, you know, the chat GPT, is a is a, a model, um, mm-hmm. and there's others that are out there that people are leveraging. ChatGPT probably is the most famous right now, um, right? And the the capabilities that it creates and what it can do, from writing a love letter to writing software code to identifying the next games that are out there, um, is is pretty impressive. Um, and a lot of it is you know using open models that are out there that have been tuned for something, and they're tapping mm-hmm. into them and pulling them out and making it useful for uh, for us to, to take advantage of. Yeah. And I think it's it's now and will accelerate. The okay. tricky thing about like chat GPT is if you if you used it um, is uh, there's tons of people wanting to use it. And sometimes it get, can, gets constrained because it's on yeah. ser- servers, hardware, and it's it's uh, it gets mm-hmm. bogged down a little bit. Uh, ah. This is not a bash on it. It's just scale of how fast it came on. It sounds um, like it needs a better architect. <laughs> well, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, the funny thing is, we're we're. I think there's there's opportunity here. Um, and when you look <laughs> yep. at the way that ChatGPT is forming, um, we need uh, AI as part of all of our daily activity. And so I, I think of ChatGPT not just being in a cloud. You ask the request, it pulls it back, but mm-hmm. it's also on the edge. Uh, and then into the cloud. And so how do you architect a solution that allows for things to be done in real time on your laptop or on your yeah. phone? And then when it needs to go off box to get better answers or different answers, it's super <laughs> seamless and it's using the same models and new capabilities. And so yeah. I think ChatGPT is here and others and mm-hmm. more are coming. And okay. we're going to find probably it br- being broken into segments of a chat GPT uh, co-pilot has something for coding and there's mm-hmm. a new one for probably more designated for spaces like, you know, recipes or whatever. Specialize. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think that's kind of the next formulation of this AI engines that are going to be created. And to mm-hmm. be honest, I think we need them. I think they help, okay. they help us make better choices uh, and decisions. Right. They will find a place in the world then, won't they? Yeah. All yeah, right, I here's another so. one. And all of these I drew from a couple of those end-of-the-year articles saying, here's what's coming in technology and yeah. what CIOs will need to manage in the future, that kind of thing. Computation everywhere was another one, the concept that we're evolving beyond Internet of Things to an Internet of Materials as these clever developers that uh, people like you are enabling all over the world are embedding smart chips inside of cloth and bricks and wood and pretty much anything. An example would be the concrete in a building can fire off an email warning because it's detected a weakness where something may fall on someone. So is that is that happening or is that still hype? I think this is part hype. So okay. the reason I say that is, uh, we are in IoT, so we we we're promoting it. But um, yeah, you in know, certain material, yeah, mm-hmm. in certain material, I don't know, uh, you know, like the brick example, in cloth, yes, it's it's happening. Uh, we identify there's cloth uh, that is helping to identify, you know, runners' behavior, uh, yeah. CO two, and so it's happening. It's also in shoes. 
Um, I think mm -hmm. it's going to be more pervasive in in more day to day activity versus uh, in just foundational pieces. Some foundational like smoke detectors and and alarms, and there'll be more IoT and gas yeah. meters, IoT, but brick maybe a little hype. Uh, but I do think it's starting to to surface the uh, the right areas of where it needs to be to mm -hmm. allow us to be uh, more conscientious of 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 technology. So let, let's take windmills. Windmills, mm -hmm. you need IoT up there primarily because it's really hard to get to a windmill and, and make any yeah, adjustments or yeah, changes. You need something up there watching and sensing. Yeah. 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 And so I think there's it's we're gonna find the normalization of where that tech should be mm -hmm. and where maybe it's not really needed. It, it could be in it, but not really required right now. Does okay. Yeah. All right. Next one, NFTs, non-fungible transactions that um, where essentially NFTs are now appearing everywhere. Artists are selling digital rights to their creations and sports leagues would like to see them become the digital version of trading cards. So what do you think of NFTs? Is this a, a real new innovation or is this kind <laughs> of a Ponzi scheme? Hyper happening. I I I um I mean it's probably because I don't understand it well enough. Um, <laughs> I I don't I I understand the concept and idea. Yeah. I, I don't understand the ownership model, mm -hmm. and so I I think it's it's a neat um, idea. Hard to mm -hmm. uh, more hype than happening. I think it's more hype. Okay. Next one. This is much more technical, so you'll have to you'll put you probably will know a lot more about this quantum resistant cryptography, which is was described as a pie in the sky idea still without a lot of practical demo demonstrations. But what if magical quantum computing machines really did start rolling off assembly lines? Um, there will then be a search for a whole new generation of protocols that will be able to resist the power of quantum hardware. And NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Tech, is has got a multi-year contest going on to choose the best algorithms. So is this still very hypish or is this happening? I think it's partly happening. And okay. if we take the first one of the AI, You're a lot of your bets here, Cisco. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I, um, I, I should be more definitive enough. on. Yeah, um, and, and the reason I think uh, it needs to happen, and and partly, you know, Moore's law is changing a little bit now, and so yeah. you need the ability to have quantum scale in computing. But I think mm -hmm. if you take that and add into the AI engine reference mm -hmm. that we were talking about in the first one, you, yeah, you need these computers to do different stuff because the models that are we working on. Um, and the billions of of interaction of content that you need to gather, you need mm -hmm. a higher powered machine that's there. So I think what's interesting, I think these external AI are going to drive more of the of the compute because you have mm -hmm. to do it. And so okay. I, I think that you're going to see a, a surge of, of making sure that that problem gets solved. All right. Next one on my list, the metaverse. Yeah, that that was inevitable. It would be on the list. Yeah, it's inevitable. Uh, transformative <laughs> potential of the metaverse. It's this big amalgam. It's all all the alphabet. It's AR for augmented reality. It's avatars, yeah. blockchain, cryptocurrency, blah blah blah. What do you think? I mean, is that very hypish now, or do you see it happening? Uh, it's happening, and uh, we're and we're participating too. By the way, so. Okay. Uh, so for disclosure, you know, Qualcomm is participating in a lot of VRXR. We are partnering with uh, Meta, okay. um, and, and it, so it is happening. Mm -hmm. I think uh, there are some really good practical use cases for VRXR of training and um, doing presentations and showing people how to do stuff. So mm -hmm. super interesting. Um, even even with the augmented reality, the AR of demonstrating what things look like on you happening. Yeah. Um, the the metaverse on creating an uh, a look-alike universe of who you are and clothing. The multiverse avatar it's, stuff. Yeah, it's it's happening. I I I super honest. I I don't know if I'll live there. My kids <laughs> probably will, but I I don't. It's just mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if I can do that that full step. Uh, yeah. But it's happening. Um, I think what's interesting is is um, seeing the gravitation of avatars are advertisers. Uh, already wanting to play in that space and so they wanting to yeah. brand it and logo it and, and so yeah. I, it's it's happening and i think it's it's probably for different generations of use cases that they want to take advantage yeah. of right. um 
and uh you know my kids have been born with a phone in their hand since i think they were yes. little so i yeah. i think they'll, they'll gravitate towards it versus you know me probably not as much but i think there are logical places that that are super interesting for uh productivity and change well if you ever want to freak your kids out have you ever shown them an auto uh, um a rotary dial phone <laughs> yeah <laughs> We found one of those in the basement and this had to be back in the late nineties. And we showed it to our kids who were at the time were like 10 and 13 and they're looking at it and they see the rotary dial and they kept poking their fingers in the holes and saying, well, how did you, I don't feel anything happening. And then we showed them how you actually had to dial. And they were like, that takes so long. (laughs) They just couldn't believe it. So yeah. I love that well, stuff. Th- Our- th- that and you know the funny thing is, is too with the technology, no one remembers numbers anymore. I mean, it's it's in your phone. I yeah. I don't know if we could ever get away with that in the olden days. I just don't. No, and I think that's that's why they get called the olden days because we're kind yeah, of done with them. We've left yeah. them behind. Yeah. In fact, a friend of mine is speaking of the metaverse. A friend of mine who follows the retail industry has been warning all of her CIO clients and friends that if they don't have a storefront there right now, that they better get a move on because actually, and I thought with a metaverse, it could continually expand and that you wouldn't run out of storefronts, but apparently you can. So, yeah, I would have just thought he just expanded out too. And I would have thought but, so I mean, too. Yeah. All right. Last one on my list, decentralized yeah. digital identity. And this is the idea that it's it's the privacy advocates are building algorithms that will help us reveal just the information we want to know. And then there are the other on the other side of this are the clever algorithms that advertisers are using to track us doing everything and everywhere. Do you see, is it hype or is it likely to be happening that we'll have a way to control digital, uh, an easy, I guess, way, decentralized digital identities? I, I think it's it has already happened. Um, ah, okay. You know, there's, there's a lot of, um, if you have a social media account, you're mm-hmm. already in. Uh, so I, I think the identity is already being started. Um, it's now, what I, I like about how to almost disallow that that behavior and content i think that needs to form and and it will i think um there's always like when something happens there's a counteraction of of something that 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 counters it um and particularly in some of the regions um different countries where Uh, you you have to be forgotten uh it's part of the rule and so i think uh there's a lot of 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 cool capabilities that are out there to help identify and know you a little bit better and, and those are all good there really are good use cases yeah um, okay. it's just how far do you go and become creepy yeah. of knowing you too much right i know i know yeah there's the cool there's that cool versus creepy line and yeah. that's moving a little bit i know i find uh-huh. it just way too fiddly i mean you can go into yeah. facebook and spend your time changing all your privacy settings and then the next time they upgrade it they all revert back so yeah. you know it just seems like a lot of seems like a lot of work so, I know. I, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. All right. As we wrap up here, I want you to talk. The last question I have for you sure. is how you feel your own leadership style has changed or expanded or adapted in the last few years as we've all been through, you know, the the horrors and the silver linings and the horrors of the pandemic. How is the Cisco Sanchez CIO today different in his leadership style? I think a few things. So probably the first thing is uh, in this role, uh, even in the previous role, uh, but this one primarily because uh, I am the global CIO at Qualcomm. Yeah. Words matter. You know what you say yeah. and how you say it super matter, right? And mm-hmm. um, and it's because you're the guy in charge. They, there's there's a lot of well, that's what he said, and maybe that's not what I meant, right? And so words yeah. matter. So I'm very conscientious of making sure that. Uh, how I say things and why I say things are mm-hmm. they're taken the right way. The second thing is is um, I'm, I'm trying to uh, make sure that it's not uh, be conscientious of all other surrounding of all other areas. What I mean by that is is that uh, mm-hmm. I'm new. I, I'm not established here. I get that. Um, mm-hmm. And so trying to establish relationships, I have to appreciate the decisions that we made in the past. And yeah. so I, what I'm learning is is, Take a step back and, and sometimes it's not just driving change it's also learning about the things that have happened that that were part of the change and maybe there weren't the right timing but 
don't just keep going in the in direction, but understand. So there's a lot of stuff that I'm doing for to understanding. And the last thing is um, when I look at the growth of our organization, I'm conscientious of not just me, but the 2,500 people within my organization and the 44,000 that are across the area on how do we become a better culture. Um, and yeah. and it's it's funny when you have just a smaller team, you're working, just you really care about the team. Mm-hmm. For me, it's now I, I care about this whole company because I want us yeah. to be successful and drive things and and partnership matters. And so it's mm-hmm. it's feeling and understanding what the what the business partners are doing. And and that's that's transformed me. I Mm-hmm. Not just looking at one thing, I'm looking at all of them um, yeah. and seeing how IT can play a significant role for their organization. But it's been fun. You know, it's it, every every new opportunity, you learning something about yourself and and tomorrow mm-hmm. I'll learn something new about me. But, yeah. Okay. Well, it certainly has been a pleasure for us uh, here on CIO Leadership Live to be learning about you today. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me for this show. It's been great having you here at Cisco. Yeah. Thanks, Mary Fran. It's been fabulous. I appreciate it. Well, and if you joined us late today, uh, do not despair. You can watch the full episode later today right here on LinkedIn or on CIO.com or on our YouTube channel, uh, CIO's YouTube channel. Leadership Live is also available as an audio podcast wherever you find your podcast. And I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Cisco Sanchez, Senior Vice President and CIO at Qualcomm as much as I enjoyed it, and that you'll plan to tune in for our next guest, who will be joining me on Wednesday, April 5th, and it will be CIO Don Gowen of Texas Capital Bank. Thanks so much for tuning in today and joining us. And please take a moment to subscribe to CIO's channel on YouTube, where you can find all the previous, I think we're up to 102 episodes now, of these conversations. And please feel free to just binge watch them over a couple of weekends. Thank you so much again and stay well, and we'll see you here next time.